Political Wire. This is Stephen Smith. I am the tavern keeper here at the Royale, and I am on the production board. You don't see me on the camera because I don't want to be on it. Uh, we are live streaming on Facebook on NexSTL, and I will be sharing it around all over. Uh, tonight, hosting is local woman Maureen Hanlon. Hello. And we have a very special guest, uh, Michael Butler, who is running for the Recorder of Deeds. Thank you so much for having me, Steve. Cool, and I will let Maureen, uh, Maureen take it from here. Yeah. Um, welcome to our so former, current slash former state rep. <laughs> my my former state, yeah. state rep, although I'm in Peter Meredith's district now. <laughs> Hi, Peter. Um, and current candidate. So, okay, so first question... What is it like being a candidate again after you ran semi unopposed? It feels it feels very good. Um, a, a former state rep once told me, and I've believed in it ever since my first election, is that knocking doors, canvassing is is therapeutic, mm. and getting uh, again on the on knocking doors and talking to people and and, and hearing their issues, it is very therapeutic. Um, and it's it, it's good to talk to people instead of talking to politicians in Jefferson City all the time. Mm. Um, when you when you sit back and listen, and uh, don't have to debate all along party lines, it can be very therapeutic and very and very good to hear from people in St. Louis. So tell us, I mean, how's Jeff City? Tell tell us some tell us some anecdotes. Jefferson City is not what it used to be. Yeah. Um, when I first ran for office, uh, well, actually when I first interned in the state house, we had seventy two Democrats. Mm. Um, I, you know, I believe when I decided I wanted to run for office they're up there that we'd have the majority by now. Boy, was I wrong. Um, Why do you think that? I, we had 72 Democrats. It was 2009. Yeah. Um, we had just come off the win of Barack Obama as president. Sure. Almost he, won Missouri. Yes. Some say he, he did. He lost Missouri by technically 1.7%. Yes. Yeah, some, some still do. You know, remember if you remember back in that time, too, you know, the economy was bad, but we believed the Democrats we would never lose again. I was yeah. literally saying back then there would probably never be another Republican president in the history of our country, and mm. I, I really believed that at the time when Barack Obama won his second term. I mean, we we had an opportunity to really push a message that and really uh, create change that people would would believe in for decades, and that somehow the Republicans. Uh, up, you know, pretty much obstructed any part of that and didn't allow that to happen. Yeah. So what was, okay, so Jeff City, yes. when you first went, there's 72, you said? 72 Democrats. In the House. In the House. Yeah. Um, and it was, it, it was it was a good time. In the Senate, I, I ended up working in the Senate. I worked in the House for a year. Then I worked in the State Senate for a year for uh, Senator Robin Wright Jones. Mm. And at that time, the Senate was made up of mostly uh, senators who this was the first time running for office weren't mm. there, the majority of senators were not former re uh, representatives. So fast forward six years, we have 48 Democrats in the House. Mm. We have a super majority, um, and now we, and at the time we had a Democratic governor as well. We now right. have a Republican governor. So the the atmosphere in Jefferson City is very conservative. Mm. There is in, in in politics, there's a term called leverage that's very important. Uh, which means you have an ability to make some change and or, or you have an ability to have a, a position on an issue that that you can leverage to, to uh, on another issue. There's zero leverage for Democrats. We probably get one or two chances a session when we used to get one or two chances a week for yeah. leverage on issues. Um, so uh, the atmosphere is it's it's too conservative for a St. Louis Democrat like me. And yeah. it, so right now, one of the reasons why I decide to run for a city office, I think I can be more effective uh, in City Hall. I've been much very effective in Jefferson City, yet um, I, I didn't go to Jefferson City to throw bombs and 
and, uh, and and to just be mad every day. I really wanted to bring home millions of dollars and make changes that we could feel here in St. Louis. And mm. right now we need more activist personalities and folks that are are willing to uh, to, to take take it put put heat on Republicans and take it to Republicans every day. And I think I'm I'm more an executive personality that can do very well in executive office. So do you think? I mean, do you think that the I mean, do you think that the kind of Republic, I mean, because, you know, we don't have any Republicans in the St. Louis delegation, do we? Correct. We Not in the St. Louis City delegation. Yeah, not in the St. Louis City yes. delegation, or even, I'm assuming, most of the inner ring most people who represent inner ring. inner ring, like 170? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, inner ring, correct. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, there has to be, though, some kind of, when I say there has to be, let me stop and say, I don't actually think that means there has to be. I would, I would believe that there would be some kind of acknowledgement of the importance of the region of St. Louis, just in that it's the biggest city, the biggest metro area, what people think of when they think of them. I don't know. Do you feel like that's... Because, you know, you would hear Greitens talk about St. Louis sometimes, and it would be kind of like... Smug. Well, it would just be and like... it would be very disrespectful. And yeah, I mean, it was just like, is there any... Did you feel ever any time anyone was like, maybe we should ask these people from St. Louis what they think not, about this you, urban you just, you just You just put the nail on, you put the, nail on, the, on the head there. Uh, put the nail in the coffin there for that one. See, uh, The Republicans feel that are not from St. Louis City or from the inner ring. They think they know more about what will help St. Louis City than mm. the folks who represent St. Louis. I, I've said that at least 10 times just this session on the House floor. Yeah. Like, who asked the, the representatives what they felt about this? That goes to, so, there was, so last year, at the, end, at the last day of session, the Republicans passed a law to remove the St. Louis City's minimum wage increase. Right. And they did that um, after a court case had validated the law. Yeah. And they pushed that through within three weeks. We have the highest homicide rate in the country. Mm. We have... Uh, we, we, we have we have Fortune 500 companies that are either leaving or being bought up by by company by com- uh, companies outside this country. These are major issues in the city, but they pushed through in three weeks, reducing the minimum wage for normal St. Right. Louisans. So it can be very frustrating when uh, uh, legislators from outside the city of St. Louis feel feel like they know more than mm. uh, how to run the city than than the folks who actually, folks who actually represent it. I mean, what do you think that there's stuff that people on the city level here need to be doing more to reach out, working together to the to Jeff City, or you mean just re- working together in here? general? In general, the number one thing that I I think that us as uh, elected officials need to do is to make up and work together. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the truth is, you mentioned that St. Louis is the largest city; it's the economic engine. Um, not so much anymore, and. Mm. It's safe to say it's a little more now because I think people are starting to realize that our, our, which used to be our little brother on the other side of the state, Kansas City, is passing us. They're passing mm-hmm. us in population. They've definitely passed us in economic activity. And um, we're, we're, we're falling behind. And the biggest difference between Kansas City and St. Louis is that after the election's done, their elected officials work together. We still today in 2018, we're, we're seeing... Uh, within our politics, the mayor's race from last year is still playing, still playing out in our politics. In Kansas City, that that doesn't occur much long, much much after the general election, or after three months after the election is done. They find they found a way to create a bond for their airport in the past year. Hmm. They they in the past uh, five years they've uh, passed a bond issue for the, they, that creates a tax incentive 
for $13 million a year for their north side of the north, for what's known as our north side of the city. Theirs is east of Truce. Mm-hmm. They, they, their city provides tax dollars for $13 million a year. It's invested into their, their areas that doesn't go to a Paul McKee project. We spent 10 mm. years with Paul McKee. Hi, Paul. And, um, and, 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 and they, so another thing is in race relations, they have an African-American mayor, they have an African-American county executive, they have an African-American, uh, I believe, fire chief. They have mm-hmm. African-American sheriff. They have African-American leaders that work along with, with Caucasian leaders all the time. They don't have those issues. We, we, have, we're, we are still dealing with racial issues in the city as well as not, and, and that keeps us from working together. And that's, I would say that's the biggest thing that we should do better is that when the election's over, we need to you know, have our squabbles are done and work together because at the end of the day, we're all Democrats. I mean, so one thing I would ask about is that I know um, – so you're on the Democratic Central Committee, correct? Correct. Yes. Um, and I know that you, uh, you know, obviously there's been some uh, drama, as the kids yes. say, with that with that group. And I know that you've had um, differences of opinions with other folks within the city. So I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about um, not, you know, relitigating any past issues, but talk a little bit about. Um, I think you know, I mean, so, so, I mean, it, like to challenge you a little bit on the like working together, right? So, like, what does that look like for you at an individual level, like reaching out absolutely, to people? Absolutely. For me as an individual, I, when I won my race to be on the Central Committee um, in 2016, I won the race 75% to 25% against uh, one of the progressive, in a sense, candidates, mm-hmm. a guy named Matt Carroll Schmidt. And when I, when I won that race, I didn't. It was a pretty nasty race on his side. I didn't say I never hardly mentioned his name. I didn't say anything bad about him. I mean, he he said some negative things about me and and spread some lies about me. And after the race was done, I saw him at Bruce Frank's victory party, which I then support, uh, later on supported Bruce Frank's Jr. in his revote election. And I shook his hand and I said, "Hey, good to see you." Um, every time I see him, I speak. I don't uh, get on Twitter and talk negative about him at all. If there are ways that me and Matt can work together in our ward. I'm very happy to do so. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's working together. It doesn't mean that we have to be best friends, that everybody has to, you know, uh, you know, uh, slide behind each other and, and make sure we have a drink and, 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 you know, lock arms. But we at least need to be cordial with each other and listen to each other's is- issues and work together when, 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 when we can. And I think that's very important. Are there some kind of easy... I mean, is there some kind of easy ground that you think you you think people have more common ground than they're coming together for on the city? Like issues where you're like, I think most people agree on this, and I wish I saw more. Very good question. I mean, of course, recently in the news, immigration issues is something that I I think that most city Democrats can absolutely agree on. I think solutions to crime. Are, are things that uh, most city Democrats can absolutely agree on. I think uh, the selection... What are the solutions that you think most city Democrats so would two, agree on? Two people would say, uh, there, two, there some folks, most folks on the south side, most folks would say we need more police. Mm. And most folks on the north side would agree with that as well. Mm. They'd say we need more police presence. So we need more police, we need those police to be present. Everybody across the city says we need a greater reaction time from our police department. Um, community policing programs is something that everybody seems to agree on. Mm. Funding them is... Uh, it's something that folks don't necessarily differ on, but they don't. They have a different level of priority. Lastly, the root causes of crime. People, uh, people in the city tend to agree that um, improving our economy, improving improving wages, um, as well as improving mental health services and improve and, and getting people employed, 
are issues that everybody can agree on. Um, and I, I think those are things we should be uh, working on together rather than focus on some of the fringe issues. So, you know, to be honest, you know, uh, we got we, we, we talked a little about war reduction yeah. um, before. And I think that that's that's not a game changer issue for our city. It's a it's there are pros and cons on both sides. But we we're, we have a, we have a divide in our city with folks discussing that issue, and it's not really it's not the it, the solution. Whether we, either one is not going to create uh, you know benefits for our city at all. Uh, reducing crime and improving education are things that are that I think everybody can agree on are things that we should be focusing on and working together on. Yeah. So I mean, I think part of the issue with ward reduction, I think from an outsider's perspective is that it it reflects some of what you talked about a little bit about the um, long history of racial separation we have Mm -hmm. in our city. Mm -hmm. And it seems at times that there's some difficulty for different people kind of hearing each other. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm wondering a little bit though about the prioritization with word reduction where if there is that mistrust, I don't know. So, I mean, what what do you feel like your role is in that? Because, I mean, I think even something, I guess what I'm asking, so even what you just talked about with police, Mm -hmm. you know, I think, sure, everyone, I think, can agree on faster response time. I think a lot of people can agree on things like community policing. But I think maybe people's order that they would put things in is different, right? And so I think word reduction is is another example. Some people are like, let's start with word reduction. Other people are like, we can never get there. So, I mean, how do Mm -hmm. you... But those are serious differences, right? So, I mean, how do you... So na- I mean, wh- how, how do you think people are going to come together over that? Over the over the war reduction or issue? Or just in general. Yeah. I mean, how are people going to come together when those prioritizations are different? Um, I think listening is number one. I think when you when you figure out that people just prioritize them differently is is important conversation we just had there. Um, I don't I don't see the the alderman that the, in the way the debate was handled in, in city, I don't see them really coming together on that issue. Mm. I think when that issue is over um, and we move on to other issues, I think, uh, the, I mean, the war reduction just really is, is really a part of large issues as city county merger or county office mm. in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the, the biggest uh, difference in war reduction is a part of a larger issue is how, how should our city government be, be run? Mm-hmm. And where I, what I, where I agree with, some of the pro 14 folks is that some people feel like aldermanic aldermen should not be uh, delivering city services and, and should be more legislators mm. and and it's more efficient for the board of aldermen to be a legislative body a purely legislative body and not a, a body a legislative body that deals in city services um, but there's also a racial aspect to that African Americans uh, across the city have generally not felt that they have faith in their in the agencies of the city government, especially when there's a white mayor, mm. and they depend on their aldermen to provide those services for them, and vice versa. When there's a black mayor, white all white uh, citizens feel like they need to depend on their aldermen more to provide those services for them. When when there is a black mayor, so those racial issues and that and that those racial undertones that I've said before, I really never want to really uh, dive into and become a, a, and be a leader in city hall and, and be someone in city hall d- debating those issues daily, is because they seem to be a, a little. Uh, they they seem to be they're they're part of a larger issue. The issue is really racial equity, but they those racial equity issues, the problem our race play out in in these in these issue in these arguments that really don't have solutions to our city. And the, the solution is racial equity. The solution is 
and, and uh, create, having a median income in the African American community that's that's the same as the median income in the in mm -hmm. the Caucasian community, creating um, a a safe community in the African American community that's the same as it is in in, in white communities mm. in, in the city. I think we will begin to see progress on. Uh, I think African Americans specifically will, would, wouldn't mind award reduction, wouldn't mind a city county merger, wouldn't mind county offices going when when they see an improvement in their city service and see an improvement in their mm. in their lives as city residents. But yeah. we're not. We, they, we, they depend on the resources that they that they get from those uh, from 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 the current uh, from the current way our, our our city government functions because they're not seeing that currently. They're not mm. seeing the, they're not seeing the city solve their issues. We have high. We have tons of vacant housing. We have LRA properties that have high grass in North Side. I mean, you got you got. I think all over the city, there's some paid. serious <laughs> like. I mean, there's serious, some serious grass out there. Serious issues. Yeah. And I think most people want to see those the real issues fixed before mm -hmm. we start talking about things that, and I think the normal citizens, so we start talking about things that doesn't really seem to solve their grass, streets, alleys, crime issues. Mm. So what, I mean, what do you think, so tell me a little bit about, you've been campaigning, right? You've been canvassing. What mm -hmm. do you think you're hearing from people the in doing one, that? The number one thing we're hearing from people in the recorder's race is that it's time. It's time for some change in the recorder's office. Mm. Um, I've, you know, I've, I'm running against a 38-year incumbent. Yeah, out of just curiosity, this is your first citywide race. Yes. So it how's is. that? I mean, that's different. It is different. That's a different. It is. It ball is of wax, as they say. <laughs> it is very different. It, and, and what I've learned is that in different parts of the city, there are different things that work on the campaign. Um, there, there are different peak hours for for folks in in around the city, as well as. There are different needs for, for folks, but mm -hmm. the number one, the, the main thing across the people are saying, and it's time for Sharon to go. It's time for for some new blood. You know, she was first appointed to that position by Governor Teasdale 38 years ago. I wasn't even born then, and um, Governor Teasdale. Yeah. Wait, she, she her tenure in the Recorder of Deeds office is older than you as a human being. Yes. Uh, wow. Yes. yes. That's, would, a, that's quite the race there. I don't know if you've been on the website for the recorder's office lately. It is. You know, I have to tell you <laughs> and all listeners that I have not recently visited <laughs> the Recorder of Teeth website. It's circa 1997. It is. Sure. It is. Is a website that I probably went on when I was back in, in yeah. middle school. It is. Is it's not the image we want for our city. I will say that citywide, everyone listening, we could maybe use some website. Yes, citywide. Absolutely. Yeah, I, yeah. I would agree. But I would agree. okay, so you're saying it's time for a change. That's your. That's your kind of campaign. Uh, so why you? Course. I mean, why why recorder of deeds? Why record? I, I think that one of the offices needs a lot of help, and I have a master's degree in public affairs. I've been known as a. a I've worked in corporate corporate America. I've been mm. a, I've corporate management experience. I've I know how to manage people. I know how to make change. I've done the impossible. I'm passing bills in the state legislature in mm. a super minority. I'm pretty confident I can um, change in a citywide office. The uh, the other thing I like to do is improve online services. In 2018. You have to go to City Hall to access those vital documents in the Court of Deeds office. That mm -hmm. office handles birth certificates, death certificates, marriage licenses, mm -hmm. and you can't get those online. You have to literally go to City Hall and, and wait in line yeah. and, and get those. And if you're in a, an emergency or if you can't make it to, to St. Louis mm. and you're a, a St. Louis citizen, you were born in St. Louis or you got married in St. Louis, you you have to you, you, can, you have to literally make a trip all, all the way home in order to get mm. those documents. And that's that's a problem in 2018. Yeah. Um, how are you feeling about the race? Well, uh, number one thing in politics is always run scared. Yeah. Um, I, I'm feeling good. I, I've, I've gotten a lot of good support. 
Um, I, I've, we've gotten already won 15 out of the 28 wards in the city of St. Louis, so the majority of the ward, ward, wards have already gone our way. Um, there are about eight more wards that are going to make an endorsement, and we feel that we're going to win six of them. So it's very possible I can win 21 out of 28 wards. That's something that anyone who's ever running a Sharon Carpenter has never done. Mm. Um, I've tapped into quite a bit of support that used to be hers that is now my support in this election because they're saying it's time. I mean, there hasn't been any uh, pro productivity or anything new in that office in about 10 years, in a decade. And I know I can make some changes in four. Yeah. Um, what is your, I mean, so you're done with your state rep work, essentially. Yes, essentially, okay. yes. Um, and is this, are you imagining the recorder of deeds and then something else? Or are you like, this is kind of one adventure at a time? Or I, I would have never imagined I'd be running for the recorder of deeds office. Literally sure. two years ago, someone told me like, hey, you should run, run for the city. There's this thing, recorder of deeds. You should, I said, there's no way I'm running for that. I was like, I use some curse words as well, but I would have, so I always say wherever God leads me, I have, yeah. I really don't know where, I would have never imagined I would be running for a quarter deed, so I can't imagine what, what I'd run for next or if I'd run next. Yeah. Do you, I mean, so talk a little bit about, if you wouldn't mind, a little bit about, um, I mean, kind of the age factor in this, right? So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of energy, right? And I think, you know, in some races, we've seen kind of younger energy against, uh, older energy you know and i think so t talk to me a little bit about that, how that that is for you that absolutely plays a role in in, in this race maureen it, uh, my opponent she's, she'll be 72 years old this year i'll be mm -hmm. 32 like mm -hmm. i said before she was she started this position, she was a points position before i was born um i i think it definitely shows in our vigor for wanting the office um our and our message that uh, and the changes we're going to make in in the office i think Right. Age definitely yeah, plays but a role. Go on. But across the city, right? I mean, there's a lot of younger people. I mean, in the race to replace you, I mean, I think there's several very strong young candidates, yes. right? And, um, you know, I think we are seeing that with some of the younger aldermen. Um, obviously, the last mayor's race, which, as you mentioned, we are still relitigating, um, or people still are, I think, mm -hmm. upset about just, you know, I mean, people are have feelings about, right? I mean, and some of that, I think, is an age thing, too. So, I mean, what, what do you think that's about? I mean, do you There's think that's a generation's change? Very good. Very good. There's clearly a generational shift going on in, in St. Louis City Politics. I mentioned this, uh, I think, six years ago when I, when I first run, ran mm -hmm. a state railway. So, I, I, ran, I ran for state representative in an open seat that Tashar Jones mm. vacated. Right. Tashar Jones was my predecessor, and she ran for city treasurer at the time, which right. was vacated by... Uh, a, a incumbent that had been there for I believe over 20 years mm. and that, that really in 2012 kind of started the shift I think uh, at the same time so then you had uh, Megan won a race that had been held by a very long term incumbent the 15th you had Kara Spencer won an automatic race um, you've, you've had since then Steve Roberts in the 77th well Kim Gardner won it that same year and, and there was a a, uh, it was there, there was a, a long-term incumbent there. When Bruce Franks won against a, a long-term incumbent, Penny Hubbard, that was an, another part of the shift. Um, in the state senate, Jamil Nasheed won against a 60-year-old, who was my boss, Robin Wright Jones at the time. Mm -hmm. So in 2012, there were a lot of uh, younger folks, young, you know, 20, anywhere from 20 to um, 10 to 20 years younger than the person that had been in the office before running. And that's continued. That's mm -hmm. continued. And But it, it's it's gone a little faster as one as folks have began to retire 
um, as well as uh, some of those folks have been challenging some of the older folks and they've been winning. I want to also say that, that I know that that's going on in corporate America too. Mm. It seems like there's actually a general, the baby boomers held on to power for a very long time. Right. In corporate America and nonprofit sectors and especially in public office. And they somehow skipped over their kids and said, you know, we really don't want to hand it down to you, but they love their grandkids. They love us. <laughs> and they're literally looking at us saying, hey, um, hey, you know, we, we want to hand it off to you guys. As a, as a Gen Xer here, <laughs> the elder, the middle guy here, <laughs> screw yeah. you too. Sorry. <laughs> I and I, but see, I feel I'm for the Gen Xers. I feel I'm for them. peak millennial right I, over here. I, Eight, 1987, <laughs> baby. But see, he, he knows. I feel We've for the Gen Xers. We've ruined so many things in this country, we, we, Steve. We kicked the door, so it's easy for you to get yes. in. Thank you. Thank you. No, I agree. And they were, li- d- yeah. they were literally skipped and over. There, and there's more of you guys, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God, actually, because those baby boomers can. But here's what I mean: Donald Trump is a baby boomer, so let's just call. Oh darn it! Call it like it is. But but here's the rub, though. Actually, I don't know if he is. Uh, 1946, maybe. Yeah, that's 47. Okay, sorry. Keep going. You're fine. I've, I, and what what I hear corporate leaders or 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 just business owners in general say is that. Be, the Gen Xers, they, they I, even though they pass more, they feel like they're more hard workers than us. Mm. We've, you know, we've. It's true. And they have a, they have a very hard time finding very hardworking millennials, who are who are even though they skipped over their kids, their kids work hard. Their kids earned every single year that they that, that they got in the, in that in that middle level position, and all of a sudden. They're skipping over the kids and saying, "Hey, we're gonna make you're gonna make your kid president. We're gonna make your kid state rep. We're gonna you're, you know what you know what you you young kids you guys should run. You should be you should run for this office. You should run for this higher office." Yeah. And I think as as things move forward, and even this generation, the, the biggest issue, and this kind of comes with the pro twenty eight and, and pro fourteen, a lot of the issues. That, there's also a generational thing going on mm. where the Gen Xers versus the millennials, and how and how we're gonna work together as leaders in the future. And there's some cultural differences. There's some generational differences there, but We've got to work through those, and we and us as millennials, we got to understand that. And I don't include me and you in this. I've known you for a while. You're a very hard worker. I there, am but, a hard worker. But we're we're I, not. Every millennial <laughs> I know is out there with like two hundred thousand dollars in student loan debt and four jobs. So I don't know. We started that trend. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like people are working hard. But, but so no, we, I'm still paying but, off my student debt, and yeah. I'm in my well. My in mother place. is too. My yeah. mother is too. She went to law. She's a lawyer. She's yeah. still paying off her I, student loan debt. I did not go to law school. <laughs> <laughs> undergrad but Maureen we have yeah. we have great networks we yeah. know the hard workers we know the go-getters we know the strong folks there are there are a lot other folks within our yeah. in our generation that uh we're, we're, we're kind of the overachievers in our generation we there are a lot of folks in our generation that don't reflect who we are and we've got to mm. we, we've got to be aware of that and we've got to move for, forward together with that well so one last generation's question just out of curiosity so um just what, earlier when we were talking we talked about how um, no independent has won a citywide office, is what you said? Correct, yeah. Um, and I'm imagining it's been a minute since a Republican won a citywide office. Yes, yeah, I imagine, yeah. So, uh, citywide, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so a period of time. So um, do you sense that changing soon? Do you think that there's going to be an independent, or, I mean, do you think that the, the as a member of the Democratic <laughs> Central Committee, do you think that the the way younger people view the Democratic Party uh, as maybe being less uh, indispensable, one could say, is going to lead yeah. to a shift in that. I, I would. I think it absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And as a member of the Democrat Central Committee, I'm also not the stereotypical Democrat Central Committee person. I think. I think. Or and 
and and that's where I think some, I, I wish we could have got on that conversation a little more. That I I think that some of the few folks that are, uh, that uh, hold to stereotype misrepresent the mm. rest of the Central Committee. But I um I, of course I think that there will be more likely to be a third party to arise before mm. the independent will win. Really? I think that's a more likely scenario that the distrust of uh, younger folks in the Democratic Party and some in the Republican Party will create a third party or. or or challenging parties, multiple parties before we'll yeah. see an independent. Uh, what's difficult is that, um, and what we saw in the last uh, recorder's race is that uh, African Americans vote are, are are much more loyal to de the Democratic Party, and young African Americans are than 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 young Caucasians yeah. or, or other or other ethnic groups. And Sharon Carpenter, God bless her soul, she won a lot of African American wards in the last race. Yeah. She won't win those this time around. And that's uh I think that's gonna help me win as well as it's gonna uh it, it'll it'll play out later on in 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 the in St. Louis on whether we'll see an independent win a race. Okay, well wild times in the St. Louis for quarter of deeds race as <laughs> people have said for years. <laughs> As it ever was. Um, no, thanks so much for coming in. Of it's course. good to see you. Good conversation. My long time, my long time state rep. Thank you. Um, so thanks. Thanks thank so much. You. Thanks for thank coming you, in. So thanks for having me, guys. Thank you for joining us on the Royale Political Wire. And uh, thank you, millennials. Shout out, millennials. Uh -huh. Shout out, peak millennial. Uh, be sure to like us on uh, the, uh, subscribe to us on the podcast and review us wherever you can. Uh, tell your friends, and if you have any ideas or whatever, shoot them along my way. I'm sure you can figure out how to get a hold of me somehow. That's it for the Royal Political Wire. <laughs>